0: Hi friends, welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the project is to work through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now if you're noticing the sound quality slightly different these couple of days, just please excuse that. I'm actually recording, as it were, in the field. I'm attending the Huddersfield Contemporary Music Festival, and I'm here working on a couple of sound design projects that I'm involved in one revolving round the Biblical references in the writings of James Joyce. But also while I'm here, I'm recording a special bonus episode of some of the points at which Christian thinking intersect with the modern contemporary classical music scene. And those will probably be popped in as bonus episodes here and there. So I'm just recording, as it were, on the hoof, in the field. So if you hear a little bit of background noise or the quality's not quite so good for the next two or three podcasts, you'll understand why. But if you are here for the very first time, you are very welcome. I do hope that you make a decision to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life also. You're joining a community of tens of thousands of people in over 150 countries around the world. And if you do want to follow along every day, then just click on the subscribe button wherever it is you get your podcasts from. And do please stick around at the end where I'll give you some information on how you can connect to the podcast and my ministry and other teaching that I do. But other than that, that's it for now. And we'll drop into the main text and I'll see you at the end. okay friends here we are and we're just looking at one verse today closing off this part of the passage of the sermon of the mount and i've called it casting pearls before swine and it's matthew chapter 7 verse 6. now the point jesus has been making in the opening to this chapter so far chapter 7 that is is how can we be concerned about a comparison about is what in effect might even be quite a trivial matter, a trivial defect in someone else when you have a much more serious problem of your sinful nature to deal with. He or she, this other person may indeed have a speck of dust in their eye but you have a total telegraph pole sticking out of yours. You see but if you look closely you'll see that buried within this statement is a principle that you may indeed need to be called to help a brother or sister in the future deal with a problem. But you've got to make sure that you are prepared spiritually before you can even begin to offer this sort of help. So what you need to do is you need to take care of your problem first. And that's why I say that this verse or these verses say you need to judge you first. First, you need to judge yourself. Elsewhere, in the first chapter of Galatians, Paul says this, right in the opening verse of chapter 6, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Pay close attention here, because this is warning us that in trying to help other people, we ourselves might indeed be tempted especially if there's a residue of the same sin undealt with remaining within us. It's likely it's not your brother or sister that needs to be corrected, it's you that needs to be corrected first before you go and correct other people. That's the real point here, deal with yourself first. True story, in a small village in rural England, in a county in the southwest of England, I have to say the police never actually named it. It was having a problem with speeding drivers, people going through the village, particularly in the evening and at night. So the little community got together and they decided to ask the local police to do something about it. And 80% of the adults in the village signed a petition saying that they should install traffic control lights at the village crossroads. Now the police responded initially by doing a six hour road survey whereby they set up a patrol to measure the speed of drivers passing through the village. On the first night, they gave out five speeding tickets, and all five of those people who were issued a ticket had signed that petition. They wanted to correct the problem, but they didn't look at themselves first. They thought it was all about other people. So all that Jesus is teaching here is is he's saying we need always to start with ourselves that's the message and that's the core of what this verse is talking about now let me pause for a second so we can just remind ourselves of our position and our perspective here g within the context of the passage it sits within jesus begins by saying judge not that is don't judge other people wrongly the second thing he says is judge yourself first and then that leads to this third concept and that is is the fact that we may be called to help some other people. And that leads to this third concept and that is there to help us see the very point he's just made in verses three and four. That is, if there's another person who has a problem, then we should be prepared but need first to be equipped to help them. But don't ever think you can go and help someone else deal with it unless you've dealt with that same situation within yourself. In other words, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you'll be able to clearly see in order to help remove the speck from your brother or sister's eye. Now he's clearly teaching at this point that you ought to deal with yourself first and then that puts you in a position where you're able to go help other people. He calls the person who does that without judging themselves first a hypocrite because he has been using his criticism of others to deflect from his own sin. And they're trying to pass it off as an act of kindness, which makes it even work. That kind of judgment of others is just hypocrisy because it pretends to show our concern for righteousness, but the person who does that, is criticizing others with an unforgiving spirit while at the same time the same, having the same problems themselves. It's the ultimate in hypocrisy. So judge yourself first and then remove the blockage from your own eye first and then maybe go and try and help others. The Pharisees judged and criticized others to make themselves look good but Christians should judge themselves so they can go help others look good, so that they can go and help others look good. And that's the point he's making in this passage. If you first deal with your own fault, then you're in a position to help somebody else who has the same fault. You could go to them and say, look, what God has done for me, he can do for you. You can say, my friend, you've only got a speck in your eye. I have a whole tree in mine. Then you're really in a position to help the other person. Now, just as an aside, Jesus here uses the one part of the body, the eye, to make his point, And that in itself is rather interesting to me. Because if you think about it, the eye is one of the most sensitive parts of the body. So maybe there, embedded within this illustration, is the idea if you're going to go and help someone else with their problem, then you're going to need to be gentle, to be tender. Have you ever helped someone get something out of their eye? You're dealing with the most sensitive part of the body and you need to be alongside them, to be close to them and to look deeply at them and then be gentle when you take out whatever the obstruction is so be careful when you do this it is telling us i think that's another secondary point being made here by jesus's choice of words and the illustration he chooses now maybe the other person's problem is as big as yours was so go and help them but you can only really help them if someone's got a really big or chronic issue if you yourself have dealt with that own issue in your own life first Okay the final verse in this section well it's really interesting isn't it? it's an unusual statement it's made at this point let me just read for you again verse six do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Wow what a dramatic verse what's all that about how did we get here I mean, don't cast your pearls before swine, before pigs. What does that mean? He's just said that we are to go and help people, right? Well, I think this puts in here is something that says that the previous commission to help people is not absolute. There are some limits and restrictions upon it. You shouldn't try to correct everybody or you shouldn't try and correct the same person repeatedly. I think that's the real point of this verse. There are peoples who have problems that you should not try and help. There are people who have problems that you should try and help, but there are those people who have problems that you should invest a limited amount of time in or not go there at all. And Jesus is clearly teaching this here in verse six. But that raises the question is, why wouldn't we help some of these people or try to help some of these people? Well in the first place there are some who won't appreciate it and he uses the illustration the idea of dogs or pigs. Now today we see dogs as pets but in the ancient world in Jesus's day a dog was not a domesticated animal like the lovely pets that we see today. In those days dogs survived by scavenging on garbage. They were usually scrawny in appearance and aggressive and pigs as well. They were actually thought of as unholy. They were considered unclean. And it was absolutely unthinkable that a Jew would ever eat pork or have anything to do with a pig or a dog for that matter. And you certainly wouldn't take something that was holy or valuable and give it or feed it to a dog or a pig. Notice what he says about the pig in that if you take a pearl and you put it in a pig pen, they'll just trample on it. So you can go and give spiritual advice, a pearl of wisdom, so to speak, a truth. You can give it to some people and they'll just trample on it. Then notice what he says in verse 6. They might even turn around and tear you to pieces. Isn't that interesting? So there's some people that really you shouldn't even try to help. Because if you do, they will not only reject you with contempt, but they might turn around and savage you for it. So another factor being taught here in dealing with others is to take their character into consideration. Exercise discernment, discretion. Or has someone at once said quite humorously, Christians, yes, we may be sheep. That, that doesn't mean we should let people pull the wool over our eyes. So we need to exercise some discretion in those type of situations. What we need to do is probe gently and see how receptive people are. I find this verse particularly enlightening because I personally have learned the truth through experience, some bitter experience, that this is true. What I've learned is that if you try and correct someone, you need to be careful because they will very often turn their anger against you. I think I've experienced having people turn on me more than I care to remember. I've experienced that, but I've also learned not to do that because of that. As a matter of fact, Jesus said something in another context and another relationship about this, which I think is helpful. Sometimes it can be the timing that's wrong. I talk to people all the time, and I think to myself, if only they could hear me. I think I have some things that I could put out of scripture that might really be of help, But maybe, and I'm intrigued, that maybe because the way I approach it or the way I handle it or the way I say it, that they just can't take it. They can't handle it. But remember, the main thing that Jesus is saying is that in dealing with other people, you need to have dealt with yourself first. Before you can even presume to help others, you need to think about this. You need to be careful. But you also need to be careful. And if they're not receptive or after repeated attempts to offer help they remain not receptive then just don't go there anymore some people you shouldn't even try to help solomon said he who corrects a scoffer gets shamed himself and he who tries to rebuke a wicked man only harms himself so don't correct someone who's a cynical scoffer whose position they have held for a long time because they'll just mock you and hate you for it. But Solomon also adds, rebuke a wise man and he will love you. That's Proverbs by the way. Again, the book of Proverbs tells us, do not speak in the hearing of a fool for he will despise the wisdom of your words. That's Proverb 23 verse nine. So the first point Jesus is making is very simple. Don't judge other people, but meaning don't be critical. Don't go around picking people apart. And secondly, judge yourself before judging or even offering help to others. And thirdly, go help some other people, bearing in mind that you can't help everybody. Sometimes because they won't let you, or sometimes because of their character, means that they're just going to turn around and rip your head off for doing it. But you know all of this and all of this advice is really just a good description of what practical wisdom should look like. Just before I summarise, I do apologise for the background noise but the accommodation I'm in at the moment has a massive extractor fan on the building beside me which comes on a couple of times an hour for about five minutes. But anyway, let me summarise. Let me summarize it all up and make a suggestion or two. The sum of what I think Jesus is teaching in this passage is you shouldn't have a spirit of condemnation, but rather you should first of all look to yourself, you should judge yourself in order that you might then be able to potentially help others. Or as someone once said so eloquently, instead of pointing a fault-finding finger, hold out a helping hand first. I think that says it very well. Now also please remember in the context of the Sermon of the Mount the overall teaching here is about righteousness and he is taught that there is a type of self-righteousness and that there is also by contrast to that a godly righteousness. There is the legal type of righteousness which is just external which has been contrasted several times and that type of external pharisaic righteousness was just a just for show type of righteousness but a real righteousness is an internal righteousness a humility of spirit that seeks the righteousness of god within ourselves there is a spirit of criticism and condemnation which is held by some which is just a form of self-righteousness that is not true righteousness when someone puts other people's down they're usually doing it another to raise themselves up and make others look good make themselves look good by comparison harsh criticism and condemnation and the judging of others is the mark of the self-righteous person who is trying to gain a righteous reputation by delighting in the faults. And flaws of others, mark that down mentally. Mark it down well. Someone who is constantly criticising others is really being self-righteous, and they're trying to gain a righteous, religious reputation by putting others down and raising themselves up in comparison. Now I know people like that. I can name them. I don't even like to be around them because I know when I'm around them that I'm not going to have a conversation that is edifying. I just know what I will hear will be about finding something wrong about someone else. And they're probably, as an aside, they're also going to find something wrong in me also. What is really going on is they're trying to put everyone else down so they can raise themselves up above everybody else what we all need is real righteousness what we all first have to deal with is our own heart and we need to do it with ruthless honesty. we need to take two by four piece of wood out of our own eyes and be critical of ourselves and even harder on ourselves than we're ever prepared to be in others then only when the circumstances are right can we judge others impartially I'm told that the ancient Greeks, when they had a particularly difficult but important trial, they would conduct the trial in the dark, they would turn out the lights so the judge and jury could not see the defendant and all they could hear were the facts that were being presented. Ruthlessly deal with yourself and then be equally ruthless in insisting on getting the facts before judging any other person or situation instead of being critical and fault-finding. In one of her novels, Agatha Christie tells of a story I think gets to this point very well in the sense that about being judged by the same standard by which you judge others. In the Agatha Christie novel I'm thinking about, there's a magistrate who didn't have any patience with lawbreakers. In fact, he thought that they all should be punished to the maximum of the law, with exceptional rigor, he's quoted the saying. He says, we need to make an example of these people, and if you catch someone on the wrong side of the law, the law should punish them to the max. Do you agree, he asked another character, who happened to be a vicar, and his reply was interesting, he said... You forget, my calling obligates me to respect one quality above all other others, and the quality of mercy should take precedent over judgment. And that's quoting, a scripture reference, it's quoting from what Jesus has been saying here. When my time comes, I would be sorry if the only p I I had to offer was one of that the justice of God should follow, because it might mean that only then justice could be meted out to me so we ourselves we have been shown grace and we have been shown mercy so we also always have a choice you can either exercise justice or you can exercise mercy but remember whatever way that you choose to go in that direction will be the way in which you will be judged by father god We can be so thankful that although God is absolutely a God of justice, he is also a God of mercy, and in his mercy you were saved by grace and love. Our judgment is not based on anything we did, but solely based on what Christ did for us. Okay friends, that's it for today. I'm sorry about the background noise today, but there's absolutely nothing I can do about it. I hope it hasn't gotten in the way of you finding that teaching helpful. If you are here for the very first time today, like I said at the beginning, let me remind you that there are lots of ways you can connect to the teaching associated with my ministry. The primary thing of course here is the Bible Project Daily Podcast, which is the main thing, which is hosted on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com you find the complete back catalogue of all the podcasts there so you can make the decision not only to follow along but maybe go back and join us from the beginning now within the episode notes which should be available wherever you're getting your podcasts from whatever provider you're doing you'll find a transcript as well as where other ways with other links you can connect to my ministry. If you can't see it because I'm aware that a few podcast platforms don't link the episode note page within their version of it, then just go to the Buzzsprout website, thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com and you'll find the episodes there as well. And you will definitely be able to access not only the transcript of each and every podcast, but also links to things like the Facebook page where the community exists, the YouTube channel, which has become the archive of all the podcasts so far, but available for you to access them in playlist form, based on theme, or by books of the Bible, which some people find helpful. As well as places like my Patreon page and my personal LinkedIn page, those are the places where I tend to put other more structured discipleship type training courses. And they're always available, always free, always copyright free in the public domain for you to take and use them whatever way you want. But having said that, the most important thing is to say thank you to each and every one of you who decided to go on this journey with me through the whole Bible over the coming, I expect will be at least another five years, if the Lord allows it. So thank you so much for joining me. It's a real encouragement to see that there are so many thousands of us choosing to do that all around the world, and I do hope you'll stick with me, and I do hope I'll see you right back here tomorrow on the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.